You are listening to Love, Maine Radio, hosted by Dr. Lisa Belisle and recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine in Portland. Dr. Lisa Belisle is a writer and physician who practices family medicine and acupuncture in Thompson. Show summaries are available at lovemainradio.com. Portland Art Gallery is proud to sponsor Love, Maine Radio. Portland Art Gallery is the city's largest and is located in the heart of the Old Port at 154 Middle Street. The gallery focuses on exhibiting the work of contemporary Maine artists and hosts a series of monthly solo shows in its newly expanded space, including Ingen Jorgensen, Brenda Sirioni, Daniel Corey, Jill Hoy, and Dave Allen. For complete show details, please visit our website at artcollectormain.com. Love, Maine Radio is also brought to you by Aristel, a lingerie boutique on Exchange Street in Portland's Old Port, where every body is seen as a work of art and beauty is celebrated from the inside out. Shop with us in person or online at aristel.com. Tickets for Maine Live are available now. Maine Live is a day of inspiring talks and stories of grit by the business and creative people shaping the future of our state. Join host Dr. Lisa Belisle and 14 mesmerizing speakers who will inspire conversation and connection. This fifth Main Live is on Thursday, September 21st at USM's Hannaford Hall. Go to MainLiveEvent.com for more information and to purchase your tickets. My next guest is Christina McEnough, the Executive Director of the Olympia Snow Women's Leadership Institute, a nonprofit organization providing a three-year program that builds the confidence, aspirations, and leadership skills of girls across Maine. Thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me, Lisa. So tell me about this organization. It's a relatively new entity, is it not? It is. So the the institute was founded in 2014, and uh, we welcomed our first class of sophomores in the fall of 2015. So they are not now our first class of rising seniors this fall. Uh, and then in 2016, we welcomed our second class of sophomores, and we expanded from seven schools in Androscoggin County to um, an additional one school in every other county. So now we had uh, 21 schools, and this year we expanded once again, and we will welcome students from 36 schools in all 16 main counties in September. What does the program look like? What do the sophomores do? So the program follows a three-year progression. The sophomore track is called My Values. And during that year, students identify their values. They learn what a value is. They uh, also explore their strengths and their passions. So it's really about self-knowledge. The junior year is called My Voice. And believe it or not, it starts with how do you listen to other people? And then it reconnects with their values and um, what the young women want to say and how to get heard appropriately. And finally, in the senior year, uh, the track is my vision. So now that I know what's important to me, what I'm really good at and what I'm excited about, um, I know how to um, engage with other people and get things done. Where do I go from here? What does my future look like? And that's when we talk about resilience, reframing failure, empathy, and gratitude. How did you become involved with this organization? You know, we all have these twisty paths, and um, mine is no different. I was working as the director of the high school abroad program at CIEE, which is the Council on International Educational Exchange. 
And so I was super happy um, helping facilitate meaningful exchanges for high school students in the U.S. abroad. And a, f- a friend and mentor sent me the job description for the executive director, and I just couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I couldn't get it out of my head. And so um, one weekend, I sent the family out of the house, and after, you know, five years, I you know, overhauled my resume and wrote a cover letter and I threw my hat in the ring. And that was the beginning of the transition from a job I loved to a job that um, I love and really fits well with my values and and my strengths and passions. You're originally from, well, you and I share a hometown, I should say. We do. And you and I went to school together in the Yarmouth systems up until I believe you went in seventh grade to North Yarmouth Academy. Yes, I did. What was it about your own upbringing that caused you to be interested in this type of work? So I think looking back on my teenage years, I was really fortunate to be in a caring and supportive environment um, and supported by lots of women, even outside of my, my home, women and men, actually. And so I knew that was part of of how I learned about myself. I, you know, I, I, I saw my traits in others and I looked at how they, they saw the world and I wanted, I wanted to give back to young women the way so many people in my community had given to me. Also, um, through my travels over the years, and I've been fortunate to visit more than 30 countries, I have seen that not everyone grows up with the privilege. I mean, I, I do feel now that I, I come from privilege and with that comes responsibility. And so to be able to give back and to connect young women with caring and trained mentors um, to make a difference in their lives and to help them really on the path to being their best selves, that that fills my cup. That That is really meaningful work. And so that's, I think, m- my upbringing has informed how I want to to show up for the next generation. What are your observations about the young women of Maine, having worked now with, um, I guess you said your first graduating class is going to be this year, so you've had a couple of years of experience under your belt. So I have been with the Institute a little more than a year. Um, I joined in May of, of 2016, and so I do feel like I, I know several of the, the, the seniors well. And I've also been so fortunate as we've expanded the program to travel across Maine. I've been up to Madawaska um, and, and all points in between. And I have noticed an incredible resilience. There, is, um, there are a lot of economic challenges across our state. There certainly is poverty. There is food insecurity. And yet with that is incredible resilience, incredible pride in, in our communities. And, and young women with incredible gifts that are making their way every day. And I believe that so many of them are going to succeed and that another layer of them will now succeed because of an additional um, level of support from, from our communities. What are some of the concerns that people are sharing with you about the experience of being a young woman in this day and age in Maine? Well, when I was learning about the Institute and reading the research the board shared with me, I, just like they were, was, was very um, 
concerned by what we were reading about how young women are losing confidence at such incredible rates compared to male peers. And that's not to suggest that um, that boys don't need supports as well. And yet it, they were they were no longer raising their hand when they transitioned to high school. Um, and so so that that's the first concern is that there is a really uh, big challenge being a young woman. Um, I'm learning now too about gender bias uh, that is is everywhere, and even people who are cognizant of it still fall prey to um, to, to gender bias. And I also think the the, the media plays into it. Um, young women have a certain idea of of what they should be, or they think they should be, based on what they see. And so that's that's impacting how they show up in in school. Social media, of course, I think is um, it plays a huge role in how we communicate, and it's not always positive. And so teaching young women how to engage with other people appropriately um, feels like a really good place to start on getting them on track to um, showing up for themselves um, so they can be their best self, but also, um, being a support for peers. This organization um, is named for Olympia Snow, who's spent a lot of years as a woman in a really male-dominated field, Definitely. politics. Um, when you've had conversations with her, what has she told you about her background, her history, and why she thought that this was so important to bring back to her home state? Well, one story that stands out um, is how when she arrived in the, the U.S. Senate, there actually weren't bathrooms for women, that, that they had to leave the, the Senate floor, unlike their male counterparts. And that's, that stuck with me. Um, and yet she shared so many other stories about how um, it was difficult to get heard as a woman. And even today we read articles about how some women politicians are, are interrupted. She certainly faced that. Um, she's also shared too, growing up and even in her in her career, um, having moments where she had a crisis of confidence. And I think that's why she prepares so well for everything she does and why she makes so much time when she was in the Senate for constituents. Um, and now even as really the figurehead of the Institute makes so much time for friends and supporters of the, the Institute, not to mention the young women. And so when I see her connect with other people, it is so genuine and authentic. And that's because um, that's, that's how she showed up um, when she was in the Senate. And she sees the value in in everyone showing up, listening to others, and building consensus. And so those parts of her experience and how and what led to several of her successes are built into the program for our young women. Your experience growing up, I mean, you and I are roughly contemporary, and um, being a female in the 80s was, for me, it was kind of this time where we were told we could do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, there was the whole free to be you and me era and boys and girls, and we all were going to grow up to be doctors and teachers. And and, and you did. And actually, I, yeah, I guess that worked. So, so good job free to be you and me. Um, but there have been some in... I'm imagining in your life, there probably has been, there have been some moments where all of a sudden what we were told didn't necessarily bear out. 
Can you think of any that you might be willing to share? It's a, it's a great a great question and one that re- requires thought. Uh, I mean, I was raised by two teachers who, like your parents, I, I imagine, did, did to, told me that I could be could be anything. Um, although that said, I think the first time I when I was preparing to graduate from from college, I went to college in Pennsylvania, I really wanted to join the Peace Corps. And I think that was the first time that decision to apply or not apply um, was, I was faced with my first conflict. And that was that I was graduating with a great deal of student debt and um, that the Peace Corps wouldn't necessarily position me to, to start paying off that, that debt. And so that was the first time that I thought I can't I can't be what I want. I want to give back while I'm young and while I have this energy and this um, you know desire to, to to engage with the world. And so I made the decision to um, to take a job instead. So it wasn't necessarily a message I received from anybody. It was the reality of um, of the financial aid that I had been so fortunate to receive and, and needing to turn around and feel a responsibility to start to pay that off. So that wasn't specific to being a woman. It was just specific to living in a time of student debt. Was there ever a conflict that you encountered um, as a female? I mean, I'll give you an example in my own life. I was a doctor in training, and I, uh, my first child, I was pregnant with him my first year of medical school. And there wasn't really a... I mean, it was very biologic. I have a child inside my uterus who is gestating. <laughs> so there's, but there was not really a way to um, kind of reconcile the two worlds. I needed to keep moving forward with an educational process, and he needed to keep moving forward with his living process. And there wasn't really a, there was no in between. I mean, there wasn't a way to pull back and not be able to do both at the same time. Does this make sense? It does. And although um, what you shared reminds me of a time, my experience is a little bit different. Um, when I was newly married, um, you know, we, my husband and I wanted to continue building our, our family. And I remember um, an employer saying after I got married, do you, now that you're married, do you want to work part time? Because you have um, you have new children. My husband had two children from a pre- has two children from a previous marriage, uh, and I remember thinking, would would you ask this of me if I were a man? Um, and it's funny. I think I've repressed that m- memory until you you know until you started talking about it. Um, I remember thinking, you know, this is this is not. It's not only not appropriate, but it's potentially um, not legal. And that was the first time that I thought, gosh, how I'm viewed is represented in part by my, my gender. Um, and so it was within the next year that I did transition from that organization. And I would say as a mother, um, I've been very fortunate to have a supportive partner because my next role, which was at CIEE, uh, required a great deal of international travel. And so to have someone that said, go for it, take that job, um, and I've got you covered on the home front was, it it was empowering. It was empowering as a woman and as a mother. um, 
And so for that, I'm very, very grateful. And other than that, I, I really don't have too many times, thankfully, um, where my gender has influenced my, my path. Your daughter just turned seven. Seven. Which is a fun age. She's a beautiful child. Thank you. I met her the other day. What do you think that her life is going to look like, given that she's female? Gosh, you know, I hope, and I see it already, I hope first and foremost that she loves herself. Um, while we grow up, we you know, we just talked about how we grew up in this age of empowerment and we both receive those positive messages from our from our parents and of course I deliver those as well as my husband I do worry about the messages she receives when she's not with us either through social media um, through magazines pop culture and so we try and first limit that Um, but I do worry about what's outside of my control so I can still control a great deal because of of her age and yet by the time she gets to middle school high school I, I wonder what the world will look like and yet with programs like the institutes with other programs around the state and also a movement to support women in general around the world I have a great deal of hope that the challenges I faced, whether it was personal, um, you know, struggling with my perception of myself and my abilities, um, or how I how I thought the world perceived me, I hope that it will be a different world for her. So it's hard for me to envision. Um, and yet every day I'm going to try and build her up so that she has every confidence that she can be her best self, whatever that that is. Are you encouraged by this this groundswell of support for women? It it is every day I am thankful, not only for the individuals and corporations and foundations that support the Institute, but also the number of women that have come forward to say, I want to get involved. I, you know, they raise their hands, they go through an extensive training, they, they give their personal time, they take time out outside of their careers to deliver the program and engage with our young women and it is it's gratifying and and also um it is it's so incredible to see the connections that are being made because the young women benefit but also our our volunteers our advisors benefit and that's what feels so good is that um, so many come back and say this is the most rewarding work i've done and i've been volunteering for 25 years and I know that their experiences are just the tip of the iceberg. Each year we, we will welcome more than 70 advisors uh, for incoming classes of sophomores. And I know the experiences will continue to be transformative for the girls, for the advisors, and that that will have a ripple effect across the state. Well, what does the application process look like if you are um, a young woman in high school who's seeking to be, become part of this program? That's a great question. There actually is no application process because we know that young women are losing confidence at at great rates and by the time they arrive in high school um, in their freshman year that they've stopped raising their hand we actually work with guidance counselors and freshman teaching teams to identify young women who while on solid academic and social footing could benefit from an additional layer of support outside of of school and so these young women have um, have talents and and passions and and yet 
with the support to um, really connect with those strengths and passions and to find their way, find their voice, um, working with a mentor, it could make the difference. And so we, schools nominate the young women, they're invited to join, and then they can make the decision if it's the right program for them after learning more about um, what it looks like. Over the course of the three years of high school, how often do um, the women get together with each other and with their mentors? So the program is um, once a month um, during the school year, so from September through May, um, there are meetings. And twice a year, all the the girls from across the state come together um, once in November. It's an event we call the Fall Forum, and it's with Senator Snow. Uh, we generally host it in a central location this year where we're in Bangor and over the course of an entire day the young women um, engage not only with their mentors and with young women from across the state but also um, have opportunities to network and that's a big outcome um, that we're shooting for is at the end of three years each girl has a network of support she can turn to when she's in college after college and um, so that's a really that's a really important day in November. And then at the end of the year, we bring groups together regionally, um, not only to network but also to celebrate the year um, of discovery. And it's another chance for them to interact with with Senator Snow and 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 caring women and men from from across the state. So there are eight meetings or eight or nine meetings with their advisors and their cohort and then these two additional meetings uh, either regional or statewide it's early yet because you have your your first class going into their senior year but are and is there a particular story you could share that you would consider evidence of a success an early success of this program there are there are several um i think of one young woman and i get choked up her name is julia and she had always wanted to be a swimmer. And she lacked the confidence to join the swim team. Um, And last November, after having joined this group and met her advisors, she decided to try out for the swim team uh, as a sophomore. She made the swim team and she swam all last year, and she shared with me this spring that um, she is she's the captain for her senior year. And you know, I know a little bit more about Julia's story, um, and it's just it's incredible. It's incredible what she's achieved and how she's so willing to share her story with others. And then I think of um, another young woman who later this week will job shadow at CIEE, who raised her hand and through the women she's met, um, has started to explore a career in facilitating programs for high school students. Um, And to be able to voice that, something she had never thought of before, and to be able to connect with women at CIEE who are are doing great and exciting work, and for her to say, will you you welcome me for a day? and then I turn to the outcomes at the end of our first year. We're, we're still waiting on outcomes for this past year. But the increases in the young women who would raise their hand and ask for help from someone they've not met before. Um, the n- number of young women, the increase in the number of young women who believe they can make a difference in their community. And you know the more than 20% jump in the number of girls who now believe that they are a confident person and that they are leaders. 
Uh, and so I can't wait to see what those outcomes look like after year two and then after year three, because that's what's so nice is we get to see them over the course of their high school career. That's very meaningful. It's been a pleasure to have you in today. It's always great Likewise. to see you. Um, I guess we should thank our teachers in the Yarmouth school system because Definitely. Uh, they have obviously provided um, a lot of wonderful background um, for both of us. I've been speaking with Christina McEnough, who is the executive director of the Olympia Snow Women's Leadership Institute, a nonprofit organization providing a three-year program that builds the confidence, aspirations, and leadership skills of girls across Maine. Thank you so much for coming in and the work you're doing. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Love Maine Radio is brought to you by Maine Magazine, Aristel, Portland Art Gallery, and Art Collector Maine. Audio production and original music are by Spencer Albee. Our editorial producers are Paul Koenig and Brittany Cost. Our assistant producer is Shelby Wasik. Our community development manager is Casey Lovejoy. And our executive producers are Kevin Thomas, Rebecca Falzano, and Dr. Lisa Belisle. For more information on our production team, Maine Magazine, or any of the guests featured here today, please visit us at lovemainradio.com.